Hello, True Matters listeners. This is Mikhail back at you, and today I am joined by Jesse and Vance from Mid-Century Homes. Vance has always had a passion for mid-century furniture and homes, and his career started in furniture, and he made a big pivot into real estate in 2017. Jesse started his career in retail leadership and moved into real estate in 2023. He spent his 30s forming and strengthening his relationship with himself and in turn realized how important the notion of home was to him, which led him to real estate. So Jesse and Vance, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very exciting. I'm glad to have you here. I'd love to kind of just start out, jump right in, um, give you the chance to introduce yourself and also kind of let us know what led you to real estate. So Vance, take it away. Yeah, my name's Vance and uh, I've been, I'm going into my seventh year of real estate, which is absolutely wild. Um, it's always kind of funny to look back and revisit sometimes the number of years and challenges and successes you've had along the way. But yeah, as Mikhail said, I was in furniture for, I, gosh, six and a half, seven years before then too, um, as a partner at a furniture store locally in Boise. And that was a, a blast. Um, I did love the retail experience quite a bit, but um, sometimes the ceiling gets low. And when you have the ambition that exceeds that, sometimes you have to just Make redefine what, yeah. you, what your, your actual priorities are. So, mm-hmm. you know, after kicking myself in the butt for a year, I got, uh, got my real estate license and haven't looked back. Awesome. And it was probably a pretty easy decision for you to move into um, a company that focuses specifically on mid-century, like as, you know, being your friend for a really long time, I've always seen your passion for that. So um, talk a little bit about kind of what that looked like or how you sort of found this company. Yeah. Okay. So let's start when I was 13, my mom, uh, allowed me to paint my room, whatever I wanted. And it was like, I mean, I came up with the worst design of all time. It was like super dark blue mixed with like the most hyper yellow you've ever seen. <laughs> painted like, like colors. Oh yeah. Just painted like early on the wall and all this stuff. I was in eighth grade. So, uh-huh. um, so that just t- got my mind turned into the direction of interior design specifically. Mm-hmm. And then um, in high school, I took some classes, went to college for that for a semester. Um, that was great, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself super hard in strictly the interior design world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I pivoted again mm-hmm. and went uh, transferred to, to BSU and uh, went into business. And I uh, got two degrees, one in business um, administration and one in marketing. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. Couldn't say enough good stuff about BSU. And uh, from there, became a partner at that furniture store where we sometimes would get in some like cool mid-century, mid-century modern furniture. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we did, I was so obsessed with it. I just think the caliber of that furniture is so much greater than even now the things we have in Um, stuff before then, which, you know, early American style was very about function. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you know, a chair is all wood, four straight legs, a straight back. Mm -hmm. And uh, today I would say that it's way more form Mm -hmm. conscious where it looks amazing and it's all aesthetic, but it's built. Not super comfortable or it's not. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, you know, built in some far off country for for pretty Mm -hmm. low prices. Mm -hmm. And then they just keep reselling them to Mm -hmm. different distributors. So it's looks great but it's not going to hold up well but the mid-century era of furniture was like that perfect mix between form and function that just Mm -hmm. nailed it it's Mm -hmm. high quality stuff it fits i mean it fits any room pretty well Mm -hmm. and it's so comfortable you can sit there for hours and not get a backache you know so um working forward um i've always loved the mid-century aesthetic not outside of furniture um in that realm too the homes do the exact same thing it's perfect mix of form and function. It's, um, it's a lot of 
you know, large windows allowing light in, allowing you to feel connected to your environment mm -hmm. and uh, the feel in the forms of these homes is just unlike anything we've mm -hmm. seen before the mid-century era or, and after. Yeah, so. absolutely. For me, not knowing a ton about real estate kind of um, different types and styles, especially having been friends with you and learning about mid-century, now I'd say it's one of the only types of architecture and real estate that I can always identify. Like it is so identifiable in that way where I feel like there are times it stands out and it's not in a way of like some of the super modern, maybe nowadays that stands out in kind of a, you're going to love it or you're going to hate it way. It feels so classic, but also has this edge to it. And so I feel like I always will spot that and be like, oh my gosh, you know, that's mid-century or that's really cool. And it's almost been more of an acquired taste for me now where I appreciate it so much yeah. when I see it, where before I was like, that looks like my grandparents' house. But now mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I love that that looks like my grandparents' house or, you know, some of the um, really kind of sturdy elements about it and like the natural elements brought in with like wood and different things I just feel like I love. So I always love um, seeing the, especially the Boise section of mid-century, which we'll kind of get into a little more about your company that you work for. But I love seeing the different houses that you're listing or sharing and some of the tours that you do, because it just really brings to life this um, style of architecture that I feel like is is so cool. So awesome. And then Jesse, I'd love for you to jump in and kind of give us a little intro too. Yeah. So um, I spent my uh, career to date, well, I guess until January, 2023 in retail leadership. My most recent 10 years were with Apple down in the Bay, but I am originally from Boise. So my partner and I decided to move to Boise. It's a return for me. It's his first time outside of the Bay. And when leaving Apple, you kind of wonder what's next, but I've always wanted to be a real estate agent. So I took a year off and I, I was kind of at an inflection point and I was like, is it worth a two week investment to figure out if something that I wanted to, to, wanted to do my entire life is the right way to move forward? And of course the answer was an absolute yes. Mm -hmm. So I went through school and I was awake like almost 100% of the time oh and uh, made it through. And then I was speaking with someone who is, she's one of the most influential figures in my life. Her name's Raquel Petzinger. I call her my fairy job mother. Mm -hmm. But we were talking and I was trying to figure out where I would fit in in the industry because starting as a solo agent is an interesting endeavor. Mm -hmm. So she in, introduced me to the idea of a team, which is just kind of a group of agents that work under a brokerage, maybe with a similar vibe or that have a good working relationship. Mm -hmm. And so she introduced me to the idea of joining Mid-Century Homes because awesome. she knows that my eye, my passion, mm -hmm. my knack for design has always lent towards Mid-Century mm -hmm. uh, as a focus. And I interviewed with the team and I was like, okay, well, this is yeah, clearly the, it's such the right a place cool to team. go. And kind of speaking more on that team dynamic environment, um, as we kind of entered the office here and I had a few questions about the structure and all of that, you had spoken about how not a lot of people know, especially Idaho specifically, how I guess real estate as a whole is structured. So can you speak to that and give us a little crash course for anyone listening that's not familiar? Yes, exactly. It's one of those things that I never knew kind of what I didn't know. I'm like, why are there two brand names on a sign or what's a team and what's a brokerage? So in Idaho, 
every real estate agent has to work what's called work under what's called a designated broker. Okay. That designated broker holds a higher legal liability and kind of acts as a buffer between the agent and the actual legal designations of a contract and is in a sense kind of a removed manager. Mm -hmm. So from a designated broker, a team there under, you get the term brokerage. So agency, brokerage. It's like selling sunset. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. um, that, is, actually, that is one mm -hmm. perfect parallel from selling sunset. Yeah. Not yeah. All, uh, yeah. Not all other things are, are going to be our ministry, but right. we can learn the brokerage and then the agents that fall beneath exactly. the Oppenheim group. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, within the Oppenheim group, you then can have teams which okay. are less legally binding. Okay. So Vance and I are on the Mid-Century Homes team, okay. and we just have come together because we share a focus for people, mm -hmm. for real estate, and of course for mid-century design. Okay. So that's kind of the waterfall effect that you'll see on some real estate posters, for instance. Okay. Ours is Mid-Century Homes by Anthology. Mm -hmm. Mid-Century Homes is our team. Anthology is our brokerage, mm -hmm. uh, which is legally required to be included on things like marketing okay. and signage. And then not all states follow that same yep. kind of structure, I guess? That's absolutely correct. So I don't know a lot about uh, the laws in other states, mm -hmm. but I'm working with a broker in Oregon right mm -hmm. now. And fact of the matter is in broker, excuse me, in Oregon, every real estate selling or listing person actually has to be a broker. Okay. So. And then with that, what's the part that the real estate agent would do in the buying or selling process? And then what would be the handoff when, and then what the broker's responsibility would be? Yeah. So really as agents, we do it all. Mm -hmm. This system I think was created a very long time ago mm -hmm. and the skill set of the agent has grown to include everything that the broker can do mm -hmm. functionally but legally there are certain things that the broker has to be responsible for okay. and that's like ensuring that each agent has the proper insurance okay. for instance so it's almost can... more oversight versus there's a handoff where one person does one thing and then is passed right. the baton it's kind of like the agent's doing it all but legally there's a brokerage that is just overseeing what they're Perfect. doing yeah i think um so jesse said uh the word buffer i mm -hmm. think that's a really good good uh good word to use there mm -hmm. another one that we could also throw in is having checks and balances mm -hmm. so our clients are legally represented by our broker okay. who we are agents of um, he also or they um, any broker make sure that all of the agents that they are um, all the agents who represent the brokerage mm -hmm. are in compliance with um, proper documentation okay. um, proper representation mm -hmm. And making sure we're all or doing our jobs properly in a checks and balances sort of. Form. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Interesting. Great. So if you're messing up, the the broker is going to give you a nice little spank. Right. And, okay. Um, that's, that's <laughs> you hear it here first. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and then, can you guys just speak a little bit on what Boise Mid Century does that kind of differentiates you guys as a team um, from maybe some other teams in the valley or even just nationally? Yes. Um, so we've been doing this for, gosh, is it nine years? I think our company is nine years yeah. old. Yeah. Um, so that's a good while, almost a decade. Mm -hmm. um, so when we're hyper-focused on mid-century homes in mm -hmm. Boise, of which there are about 11,000 of them, wow. um, all, nearly all within 10-ish minutes of downtown. Um, so that's great. 
um, we're also able to identify what each of these different neighborhoods are going to bring mm -hmm. from like a life satisfactory mm -hmm. wellness level mm -hmm. to each of those clients. So what we really try to do is get to know our clients super well. And if they're like, hey, I'm a little bit more, um, I love my house and I want to be at home most of the time and my, my family is six people, mm -hmm. they're probably going to need like a five bed, 3,000 square foot home, which mm -hmm. is going to land them maybe 12 minutes from, from the epicenter of downtown Boise. Mm -hmm. Whereas if on the flip side, maybe you're working with a younger couple who just has one dog and they mm -hmm. love to be outdoors and do all this stuff and be in the downtown life more. So we're able to help them figure out and understand how different neighborhoods in Boise that are mid-century mm -hmm. related are going to impact their lives either in a, a positive way or a negative mm -hmm. way if they choose this one over that one. So um, we're, we're definitely able to help people find and source anything in any area. Mm -hmm. But um, if mid-century is their aesthetic and Boise is the city that they want to live in, we're absolutely the best resource that they could call because um, we know we know all the areas. Right. right. And you're able to kind of learn their needs as like a, a larger scale and then keep pinpointing them down and point them in the direction of maybe the neighborhood that would be the right fit. Whereas if you just were Googling to try to find mid-century homes, you might come across one that's really great, but like you yeah. said, the wrong size or maybe doesn't have all of the kind of accommodations exactly. or anything that you'd yeah. be looking for. So um, just the knowledge that you all have in regards to that style of home in the valley is so priceless because you're able to really dial it in for them yes. without a lot of footwork yeah. for the client. Yeah, and um, I think the, the same works in the opposite fashion if we're working with a seller. Mm -hmm. um, we're like just with the hyper focus of each specific area some some areas across curtis are gonna be five percent more than ones on the other mm -hmm. side because of xyz it's mm -hmm. you know four minutes closer the mm -hmm. lot sizes are a little bit bigger so it's uh it's a really um drilled down mm -hmm. approach that we use to properly um either help clients secure these houses or sell them for the premium price they're actually able to mm -hmm. able to make awesome i think one way that i really like to describe it is yes we have a focus on mid-century homes mm -hmm. but we're also super passionate about people mm -hmm. i like to say before we're real estate people we're people people mm -hmm. but we're also boise people so i think mm -hmm. about groups like that have their knowledge of boise included in their name mm -hmm. it's like we should all really be experts about boise mm -hmm. and we are and really what i think that we do best is we curate that knowledge mm -hmm to whatever client we're representing to make sure that they get the maximally positive experience in Boise mm -hmm. within the possibility of living in one of the common mid-century neighborhoods or in maybe one of the outlier mm -hmm. special homes mm -hmm. here in Boise, because there are a few of those too. So we really get the opportunity to make a custom experience, mm -hmm. even yeah. with something that has you know existed since the 50s and 60s in a way that really serves a new, person to Boise or a family moving across town in a way that maybe they wouldn't have been able to achieve themselves. Yeah, absolutely. That is, I mean, such a great point and just, I think, so wonderful to be able to have the foundation of it be the person first and figure out what their needs are and what that looks like. But then I think to, to then even kind of narrow it down a little bit more and find the home that they're going to really feel at home mm -hmm. is probably so rewarding once you're able to really kind of make that match and get people in, in those places. Um, Vance, since you've kind of been in the industry now at this point for, you said seven years, what are some of the kind of connections you've formed or fostered over the years? And then also I'd love for you to speak on some of the really cool opportunities mid-century wise that you've been able to experience since being with the company. 
Yeah, well, first and foremost, I've met a ton of people in Boise just who actually work on the team. What I love about our team specifically is that we all have such different life experiences and we're different ages and different, you know, genders. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is, it's so awesome to have a wealth of knowledge in one room. Mm-hmm. We are all passionate and loving of like, of one, you know, specific style and mm-hmm. era of architecture, but we all have so many different life experiences mm-hmm. that allow us to connect differently mm-hmm. with different potential customers mm-hmm. and um, other people who are interested in what we do. Um, but we've done some really awesome stuff over the years, including my favorite thing is uh, we visited the stall house a few times. And uh, if anyone listening is unfamiliar with what that is, it is one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic uh, mid-century home in the entire world. It mm-hmm. is in LA and overhangs a uh, a large, I don't want to say cliff. I feel like that's a, that's a, it's in like the Hollywood Hills. It's yeah. a cantilever yeah. down the Hollywood Hills. In the Hollywood Hills, perfect. Um, and, it, and it overlooks a ton of LA. Mm-hmm. Um, we know the owners there, so we get a personal invite every year or every other year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to, my favorite thing that I've done in my career is jump off that roof into the, into pool. the pool. Yes. <laughs> overlooking LA. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've like, I, there's no way for it to get much better than mm-hmm. that. So um, over the years, we've had some pretty cool um, events happen in um, have met the, the owners of these amazing properties mm-hmm. who are just um, amazing people and uh, love the mid-century aesthetic and mm-hmm. have uh, been amazing caretakers of these homes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And then Jesse, kind of um, just entering into the industry, what are some of the connections or um, maybe something that surprised you as you've entered the industry that you've been able to form or people you've been able to meet? Yeah, so uh, we talked a little bit about like the ways that I've learned how to get into real estate and kind of the mm-hmm. functional overview of it. That was really new to me. So it's, it's kind of like settling mm-hmm. to learn that mm-hmm. there was actually something to learn there mm-hmm. that now has been learned. Yes. But relationships are so important in real estate. And I, I mentioned Raquel earlier. Mm-hmm. So Raquel is my fairy job mother because I've worked with her in many different industries. I've worked with her in different states, in different retail stores. I've worked with her at an optical shop. And she now has made a return to real estate as well. Oh, so cool. our paths continue yeah. to kind of be parallel mm-hmm. with maybe her leading the way a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and, I, and I have to say, TJ Pierce, the team lead of Mid-Century Homes, has been so integral into to my understanding and entrance to the market Mm -hmm. that he has become a really important person to me in just a few Mm -hmm. short months everyone on the team is able to offer something that can really help anyone who's interested in real estate from a listing buying or career perspective Mm -hmm. in ways that you you just wouldn't expect. And part of it is because of our, our diverse backgrounds. But I really love the relationships also that we've been able to make with Idaho Modern and the Preservation Society. Mm-hmm. Um, really great people. And they put on some cool events here in town and then mid-century and historical events kind of statewide even. Mm-hmm. My favorite of which, it's always been a lifetime dream to get into the Frank Lloyd Wright house in Hagerman. Mm-hmm. It's called Teeter's Knoll. Mm-hmm. It was actually built as an artist studio. It's Frank Lloyd Wright's only artist or only studio. And in what was it, September, maybe August, mm-hmm. uh, I was actually afforded the opportunity to be a docent for wow. their now annual tours mm-hmm. that have not been taking place for several years. So that was 
I mean, it was actually a dream come true, yeah. which is um, a pretty incredible thing to be able to say in your first six months in a new career. Yeah, so, 100%. Yeah, I feel very Makes lucky. you feel like you're definitely in the right spot, yeah. right where you're yeah, supposed to be. Yeah, it's very affirming. So. Yeah. That, uh, that place is just unbelievable. Yeah. Henry, the owner, is oh one of gosh. the most special people in this world. He is, I mean, you get him talking about that place, and he comes to tears a lot of times. Oh, yeah. And we just... That is exactly what we're trying to do mm -hmm. for every individual mm -hmm. mid-century homeowner. Mm -hmm. um, to have an experience like that mm -hmm. is just beyond, you know, just having a home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And fun fact about fun fact about Henry, his partner's name is Buncey, which mm -hmm. is amazing. Yeah. They share a dog whose name is also Henry. But <laughs> to limit confusion, if Henry the dog mm -hmm. does something bad, they call him HTD. Okay. Henry the dog. The dog. Got yeah. it. Got it. Not HTP. Do we have a Henry the person if he does something wrong? <laughs> I was not informed. I'll ask next. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I Henry would ever do anything wrong. Henry yeah, it's very person. true. Yeah, yeah he is, very, very true. Yeah, I think, fault. yeah, it's it's a really incredible kind of way to put passion and work together. And I think, you know, Jesse, as you were speaking about your more recent evolution of figuring out the notion of home and what home means, I think there's nothing wrong with some of the kind of like cookie cutter neighborhoods that go up and people want these starter homes and they just need four walls to live within and have shelter and be safe. And for mm -hmm. some people, their passion doesn't lie within maybe what the, the bones of the house actually hold. But when you can connect with people that can be brought to tears by a piece of architecture or by the design of a home or your Eames chair, like whatever yeah. it may be, you know, yeah. that just really you feel so passionate about. I imagine that only turns the dial up for the kind of happiness and gratitude for what you've aligned with because it's so much more than finding a house for someone. It's like mm -hmm. really that home aspect and finding something that maybe takes longer than if you were to just say, all right, this is our price point and this is where we want to be and just find something that we'll do. Yeah. Instead, it's a little bit more like getting in the trenches, knowing that you might lose a couple offers you put in or you might have to wait a little bit. I know you've worked with clients that it's the long game. Like we've got to wait a little while until something that meets our needs comes up. But then when you actually make that sale, it's on both ends so much more rewarding and just a really exciting time with people that have become friends, not just clients. And you're so stoked to help transition them into this new home that they've found. So yeah, I love yeah. that. And I, I, I appreciate that you mentioned the term starter home. I think that there's so much power in language. Mm -hmm. And it's it's easy to maybe want your forever home to be your first home. Mm -hmm. But I really love, I was talking to Harmon about this last night, the designation of starter home. That's the home that we're going to start mm -hmm. in. We might not have a mid-century mm -hmm. starter home. Mm -hmm. It will still be so important. Absolutely. And the purchase and the agent yes. and the family. And the chapter still... in your story is yes. there. And yeah. it's, yes, it serves its purpose too. And again, yes. if you if you had your dream car at 16, yeah. it's like, what's the point? You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think sometimes there is that need to just be patient with the process and be where you are and see all of those things as the continuation of the chapter of your story and then standing in the foyer of your mid-century home when you make that purchase is mm -hmm. that much sweeter because you didn't just have it the minute you needed shelter on your own you know yeah. so I do think that's an important sentiment and again not a, like to knock any stage of the process people are in but to be on the professional side of the mid-century you get to see people have that dream come true and be at that point oh in their gosh. life and it is such an amazing thing to be a part of that it almost brings me to tears mm -hmm. a lot of times when i see you know Softy. first time I, mean, I, know. <laughs> no, I know look at me um just to work with like a first-time home buyer uh -huh. couple and they're so excited and really afraid of the process and really nervous mm -hmm. and don't know how anything's going to go and to be like the liaison mm -hmm. of 
them between them and their first mm -hmm. really cool, amazing place that they're going to love for yeah. however many years is and something that gives me a ton of gratitude. For sure. And we've done it so many times collectively as a team yeah. and many of us as individuals mm -hmm. and working towards that. Mm -hmm. We know how to navigate that. Mm -hmm. There are different challenges in different aspects of real mm -hmm. estate. So new construction brings its own set of maybe tensions, mm -hmm. if you will. Mid-century homes have a way of showing up in a way that can be relatively predictable. Mm -hmm. And we know how to navigate that, mm -hmm. which is really cool. That's one of the things that I found so valuable in this team is the experience for this specific mm -hmm. kind of uh, niche mm -hmm. of our industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so valuable and so cool to see so many people put their combined knowledge and expertise in different walks of life together to then create this really strong team that can kind of navigate whatever it is that's thrown your way or find the answer to any questions that people may have or, you know, guide people in the right direction. Um, I'd love to kind of now just segue a little bit into kind of hurdles or struggles. So any struggle or hurdle that you face professionally, either with entry into the industry or, you know, advanced throughout your seven year career, what's something that comes to mind? Um, initially, definitely self-doubt. I think a lot of people deal with a level of an imposter syndrome and, mm -hmm. you know, you, you envision this other goal for yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, am I even capable of doing that? Where do I start? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. um, you just kind of beat yourself up. And that's where I was when I think I was at the furniture store is that mm -hmm. was so second nature mm -hmm. to me i could just show up any day and know exactly what i've got to do to make it all run and then you know jumping into real estate it's really it's it's jumping off the cliff and hoping that you figure out how to build a parachute on the way mm -hmm. down there's not really a way to like slowly ease your way mm -hmm. into real estate mm -hmm. you're either doing it or you're not mm -hmm. there's there's not a whole lot of gray area um beyond there i think comparison mm -hmm. has been pretty challenging mm -hmm. um I, again, I've been doing this seven years, so quite a while, and still, even now, I have I have many challenges year to year, quarter to quarter, and uh, you might see other agents totally killing it mm -hmm. when you're sharing like, their working. highlight reel. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> they, they bought a G wagon, and yeah, um, <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. this uh, this quarter is not looking good for me at uh -huh. all. Um, so comparison is kind of uh, can hurt everybody, but mm -hmm. I don't think that it's. Uh, when you are at least aligned with mm -hmm. what you're with what you're wanting to do and mm -hmm. accomplish year to year, it's that comparison is uh, only going to stand in your own way. Mm -hmm. So um, those those have definitely been some challenges for me. And I think I mean I'm 34 years old, mm -hmm. so it's going to be life is just this learning right. river of mm -hmm. nonstop changes and yeah. knowledge and growth and. Uh, I think awareness is always step one, so. Yeah, and I'd say, hopefully you're okay with me sharing this as your friend, but that there have also been moments, especially as you kind of jumped off the cliff into real estate, where there isn't an initial base that you're guaranteed, or like, here's what you kind of are like, I might not have a paycheck for a little bit. And I very specifically remember a time that we had, we'd, you know, met up, we'd oh been st yep, standing at my car and you, I don't remember the exact number, but you were very transparent in sharing with me like, hey, last month, like I had this in my bank account and, and I just got this check and I'm so proud of myself. And I'm so, I can't believe that like I've done it. And even that, that moment, like it's so seared into my brain because you had to take such a risk in order to be willing to do that. But then standing on the gravel parking lot and having you share that with me was such a cool, exciting moment because you 
And then you still will continue to have those times of like, it gets quiet, it gets busy, it gets quiet. And I think with this industry in particular, there's a lot of riding the wave and trusting yourself and trusting the process. But can you speak to that a little bit? Like when it comes to kind of the, I guess, financial aspect and that risk you took? Yeah, I think I'm an eternal optimist. And I I think uh, there's positives and negatives with Mm -hmm. being that type of person, but it's always served me pretty Mm -hmm. well to just like accept that a moment might suck Mm -hmm. and you know some challenges are arising that are significantly larger than we might hope Mm -hmm. but to just have hope that um the future is brighter and if i just put in the best work that i can Mm -hmm. today something good is eventually going to happen um staying on course keeping confidence Mm -hmm. and uh staying focused Mm -hmm. on whatever that daily task Mm -hmm. or goal might be and, uh, and just knowing that there's going to be a, be- a better future yeah. on its way. Yeah, you just have to be patient. It is a hard, it, it's a hard thing though, mm-hmm. because it's just, it's kind of blind faith. You have mm-hmm. to just be like, oh my gosh, like I know that, that this is eventually gonna come. I have no idea when mm-hmm. or how or what, but mm-hmm. if you just keep putting yourself in the right uh, circles and events, mm-hmm. eventually that is gonna come back Tenfold. Yeah. And to think if one week before that sale closed, you had just thrown in the towel, I mean, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation, but during that time, I'm sure there were a hundred invitations to throw in the towel, go back to security, go back to the thing. That's going to be this consistent, mm-hmm. dependable paycheck. Maybe I won't be super passionate about it, but at least I can put food on the table make, or whatever, make the, bills, yeah. make the bills. And so I think there is a side of that as well. That's very inspiring and also takes some grit. You know, you really have to be willing to, take that risk and know that it's not just going to happen overnight. And the best successes don't. I think if we had exactly what we wanted every time we snapped our fingers and wanted it, we would not appreciate it once we had it. So it's been really cool to kind of walk that journey with you and see the progression and then get to a point where like, there's not a care in the world. You have moments where you're just like, no, things are good. And I'm, I'm confident in what I'm doing. And that's um, such a testament to the resilience I think it takes to, to get there. Um, and then kind of on the flip side, Jesse, having just entered into the industry, are there challenges or things that you have faced already that, or invitations to maybe throw in the towel, um, at this point? So within real estate, I think, yeah, being in my first six to seven months, I haven't experienced those, but I really made sure that my first year I was going to be able to approach with grace Mm -hmm. and with patience. Mm -hmm. So I'm still in this moment where I'm giving myself a lot of, room and i'd actually like to share why because it's a result of the struggle of my previous career yeah i'd love to i i loved working for apple Mm -hmm. i i think it was such an amazing time in my life you know you don't spend somewhere spend 10 years with with an employer for you know just for a paycheck it was so fulfilling but towards the end of my tenure with apple it felt more and more like i was doing the bidding of just kind of a disembodied corporate personality or this kind of budget focused sales focused entity Mm -hmm. with whom I didn't have a personal connection. And it was so draining because I didn't get to work for the people with whom I was working Mm -hmm. for someone on the sales floor or someone who was, you know, repairing a Mac in the back of the, the back of the house. I was always just kind of trying to coordinate other people's priorities. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and I'm like, I don't know how I survived that for so long. Because now what is so incredible is that I get to work with, but for my clients, Mm -hmm. 
my clients are my employees now, or excuse me, I am my client's employee mm-hmm. now. And that like, that has just always been what I've been trying to do. But within the corporate landscape, it worked for a while and then less for a little while. And then I think I even kind of lost sight of it. Mm-hmm. And I actually had some personal struggles because of that. Mm-hmm. And for a time I was, um, I, I had challenges with mood disorders mm-hmm. and I tried everything to try mm-hmm. to right the ship mm-hmm. and what really you were like on the wrong ship exactly <laughs> that's exactly i was on the wrong <laughs> ship in the wrong right, seat yeah. so moving back to boise from the bay area and switching from a corporate career mm-hmm. into something that includes a little bit more of my passions and really gets me mm-hmm. to interface mm-hmm. with people on a a level that i feel can actually make a difference mm-hmm. in their lives has been the best medicine that mm-hmm. i have tried in 15 years so there there are definitely struggles that we all experience Mm -hmm. through our careers some are worth pushing through Mm -hmm. some aren't Mm -hmm. and sometimes if you encounter something that's not worth pushing Mm -hmm. through there's something else for you yeah maybe it's real estate maybe you live Mm -hmm. in century homes maybe you can work with us maybe not right yeah but i think that the most important thing for everyone to hear is like struggle is a normal part of life Mm -hmm. The True Matters podcast is sponsored by Spark, a powerhouse in appraisal data processing. Spark accelerates data management, ensuring lightning fast insights. Visit our website and enjoy 12 free reports today. Discover the true spark of appraising. Visit sparkforappraisers.com for more information and to start your free trial. Switch to Spark now. But make sure that you're taking struggle for what it's worth. Right. Struggling for the right things. Exactly. For you. Exactly. And not taking struggle for what it's not worth. Absolutely. Yeah. I, a lot of people are really familiar with the whole like body keeps the score when it comes to trauma and different things. But I heard something the other day that really resonated with me. And it's if you're not brave enough to say no, your body will. So your body will start to say no before you do. And that is often these you know, mood disorders, sleep disturbances, um, you know, all these different things, anxiety, um, stomach, digestive issues, all these Mm -hmm. things that often pair so closely with, holy cow, when I just got out of this situation, when my environment changed, so did I. And I think that oftentimes, you know, we can white knuckle something and keep staying the course of a path that we're not meant to be on, but our body will start to say no. And eventually we have to follow suit or, you know, it kind of destroys us from the inside out. So I love that so much. I think it's so important. Like there's so many like podcasts and books and things out there that Mm -hmm. say, say yes to everything. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think you need to say no to Mm -hmm. some things because we need to curate the best lives for Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's important to acknowledge and get over. So you don't have to depend on your body to say no Mm -hmm. when you get there Mm -hmm. is the idea of the sunk cost fallacy. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea of, oh, well, I've been working for Apple for 10 years. Why wouldn't I just stay for with them until 15 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or I've been, you know, investing in this for so long, Mm -hmm. of course, I, I'm going to stick with it. Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes that needs to be changed mm-hmm. and you need to let things go and that can mm-hmm. be more healing and productive for your career mm-hmm. than trying to hang on, like you said, white knuckling mm-hmm. through something that's mm-hmm. not going to be effective. Right. The uh, level of self-awareness you need to have to identify those right and wrongs mm-hmm. is really like the beginning because I feel like, um, gosh, you were on, that was really deep what you said about your retail experience and how that all changed and it took so much guts, so many guts to jump from that shit. All the guts. Yeah. Every gut possible. <laughs> um, to jump from 
that ship that you were on in the Bay Area all the way back to Boise mm -hmm. in a whole new career, yeah. new environment and everything. Mm -hmm. and talk about like chasing passion and knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. and you, you would have never done that if you just were entirely unaware of what you wanted, what your partner wants, and the life mm -hmm. that you're looking to actually live, yeah. that you weren't really working toward on that. And yeah. what's so interesting with that is there's that list of in partnership, like the most difficult things to navigate, you know, so it'll be loss of a job, new job, mm -hmm. loss of a home, new home, loss of a parent, whatever, mm -hmm. all these things. What's so interesting is sometimes like the new job, moving homes, new environment is actually the best thing for you, which we don't often see it that way. And as much as certain things can be very, you know, distressing to us, there's also the need to shake things up sometimes to have a different outcome. And, you know, if we keep doing the same thing every single day and expecting it to be different, it just often isn't. And so it's really neat to see your story in a sense of how many factors changed that could have been really distressing to your relationship, mm -hmm. to yourself, but actually led you to be right where you needed to be. And it just took that first kind of step and, and willingness to change, which you know, I think Nancy, you and I have said this so many times, um, that sentiment of most people would accept a familiar hell over an unfamiliar heaven. So if you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And so many people will just sit and stay in this horrible place because it's what you know, and you mm -hmm. can trust it and you can, it, you can at least be confident that it's going to keep sucking. Like it's, that's like, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like, you know it's, it. it's normal uh -huh. you understand it. Mm -hmm. And at least like this might suck, but I, at least I know it's coming. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than you got to like jump off that cliff again mm -hmm. and, and be like, oh gosh, there's, I know there's better out here. Mm -hmm. It's going to come. Mm -hmm. And if I just keep on this path, that's proper for me, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make it happen mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And then Vance, would you speak on maybe a, personal struggle or situation you've encountered that has kind of led you where you are or something that comes to mind with um, a very formative experience that you've had in your life? Um, the most formative experience of my entire life and probably hopefully for uh, the rest of my life mm -hmm. was losing my dad at, mm -hmm. um, at 18. That was really challenging, but um, I found a lot of grace through that mm -hmm. and um, it is, it's drastically changed mm -hmm. my life. Before then, um, I just, I did not know myself. I was not confident. I had no idea what I wanted. I liked football and that was about it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, you know, I was 18. So um, definitely early, early, mm -hmm. early adulthood, but um, losing my dad and being the executor of his estate at mm -hmm. such a young age and kind of battling several family members for, um, you know, in court and mm -hmm. out of court oh, wow. in some, you know, aspect of litigation was uh, huge. Mm -hmm. And it just, really was just a, a massive punch to the face and once i got through that it was maybe a two-year process of of you know dealing with that whole estate and everything um, it was really challenging but i gained so much confidence mm -hmm. and uh in myself in in regard to anything mm -hmm. that i deem necessary to to chase in my life so um now i get to be really confident really resilient really self-aware and uh entirely unafraid, I would say, mm -hmm. to, to chase what I think is, is uh, what I have identified as the right path in my own life. Mm -hmm. And how has um, kind of the circumstances of losing your dad allowed you to, or maybe even at times kind of forced you to put mental health um, at the forefront of a lot of the things that you do? How has it? Yeah, like gosh, in what ways has um, it kind of, and if you're comfortable sharing maybe like yeah. a, a brief the situation maybe with your dad and then what that kind of led 
you into sure, yeah. yeah. Um, I learned so much from mm-hmm. from my dad and my you know both of my parents. Mm-hmm. But my dad was really unhappy at his job. He was a severe alcoholic. Um, he ended up committing suicide, mm-hmm. and uh, I just removing myself from that situation I could look in mm-hmm. kind of from with uh, you know third party eyes mm-hmm. and be like I don't want any semblance of mm-hmm. of uh, of that life mm-hmm. you know um, so then it just kind of forces you to question like was is this decision right is this decision right is this okay and I, I really decided I, I have always wanted to go to college so I did that um, but also I'm going to go after whatever I uh, am passionate about and love mm-hmm. with people that I love. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, we said this earlier, but, um, you know, you chase the passion and the money will follow type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really how I began to grow up as an adult was like, I'm never going to work in a job because the salary is 150 grand a year <laughs> and just hate it mm-hmm. and hate the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would way rather make, a third of that or even less mm-hmm. and love what I do and love the people that I'm with and um, love the day-to-day mm-hmm. things that are, are shaping up rather than um, the alternatives, mm-hmm. you know? So that mixed with, I love working out. Um, that keeps me physically healthy. It allows me to, at least as, as I feel like attack each day mm-hmm. as a, uh, as I can. Mm-hmm. So uh, those things combined, I think is, I just was able to identify those things that I definitely did not want mm-hmm. in my own life mm-hmm. and then kind of reform and shape what I wanted with just a series of questions and, you know, potential paths that I could take mm-hmm. and just question, is this right? Or is this not the right thing? And just kind of doing that over yeah. the next 17 years. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think so often when we, don't have examples of what we don't want. We kind of fall victim to, you know, the example of people that just had these really cookie cutter, perfect leave it to beaver parents that never fought. Maybe they did behind closed doors, but no one saw it. And then they try to enter a relationship with these rose colored glasses on, like everything's just supposed to be perfect all the time. And the first sign of something being wrong, they just want to jump ship. So I think that um, your ability to see your dad for all of his strengths and also be self-aware and realistic enough to also see some of those limitations to help put you in those checks and balances is such a phenomenal gift that was probably very unexpected because it was wrapped up in a not very pretty bow you know at the end of the day some of the lessons that are the most transformative in our lives are often really covered in grief and in loss and and unexpected changes so i think that being able to have those things and see them as strengths in keeping yourself in check or knowing that if you find yourself in a situation where you start to kind of slide and you're unhappy in those things that you don't want to get to that point of feeling like there's no way out um and then simultaneously you know the the grace that you've given your dad i think the ability that you've been able to find that like unconditional love in all of it and being able to you know again walk that with you and see that occur has been really remarkable yeah thank you at the end of the day i mean like we're all people. Everyone, everyone's parents are people. Everyone's grandparents, the president's a person. Um, I mean, it's okay to have some grace and also some aspect of tough love in there mm-hmm. too, to really be like, Hey, you know, is, uh, that probably wasn't very cool what you did or, you know, whatever that, that might be. And, or maybe we're even talking to ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I did, you know, this event wasn't good for me and didn't serve me. And now I'm going to, you know, course change, correct, course correct yeah. And, yeah. and do the things that I know mm-hmm. is, is uh, the right decision for me. Yeah, I think like that's, I mean, authenticity and 
the biggest gift we can give ourselves is allowing us to just see things for exactly what they are. And often that's very nuanced and layered and it doesn't mean things have to be all good or all bad, which feels good in our brain to be able to pattern things that way and really say, all right, this is out, it's bad, this is in, it's good. And at the same time, there's so much awareness in allowing that nuance to occur and say, this situation didn't serve me and here's a million blessings that came from it. And also I'm gonna close the door on that and move mm -hmm. forward. You know, yeah. there's so much of that that I think we navigate day to day in big losses, like the loss of a parent and in small decisions each day that become our lives over time. So yeah. I think that's a really great perspective to share and I just appreciate you for sharing Thank that. You. Um, and then Jesse, anything that comes to mind for you when it comes to maybe, I don't know, major life lessons or, or things that you've navigated personally? You know, we talked about it a little bit. I think the biggest struggle that I have had in my entire life is suffering through depression, mm -hmm. living in a 300 square foot apartment mm -hmm. alone in Palo Alto, California for years. Mm -hmm. And the lesson to be derived from that is that I put up with it for too long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm proud that I fought the fight mm -hmm. and all of that. Mm -hmm. but. I'm so happy to have come out of that mm -hmm. in a way that lets me look back at it and understand why it was happening. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are genetic factors within my family that lend to mood disorders and struggle with happiness. Mm -hmm. But if you have that, like give yourself the best chance right. to move right. forward. Don't like feed the beast. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And at mm -hmm. a certain point in my uh, career, the biggest struggle mm -hmm. was figuring out that I needed to leave it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my struggle was a little bit more um, paced out mm -hmm. over the course of my career, mm -hmm. whereas you had something that was highly disruptive and um, instant. more, it, more mm -hmm. instant. Yeah. So yeah, both of them, I think really both of us are talking about how they lead to self-reflection and how powerful that can be mm -hmm. to move forward and to find your happy place. Yeah. And during that time um, of kind of darkness, what did that look like for you or feel like for you to be in that versus where you are now? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I'm so happy to, leave, to have left behind, I was functioning on such a level that I would go to work for four hours and I would take a lunch and I was lucky enough to live within a mile of my home. Mm -hmm. Every day for two years, I would come home and take a nap on my lunch. Mm -hmm not because I was tired, not because I didn't get enough sleep the night before, but because I had to, because otherwise my anxiety and my depression would override the rest of my experience. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was normal. I was like, this is a coping mechanism. And it is, I am so pro nap, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love naps. But yes, exactly. <laughs> and they, they can be a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. They can be a tool for mental health mm -hmm. in a positive way. Mm -hmm. But for me, it became a crutch. Right. And once I realized that it was a crutch is when I started understanding, I started changing my relationship with substances, mm -hmm. caffeine, energy mm -hmm. drinks that I thought were fueling me. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. um, and it really, from some glimmer of realization mm -hmm. came a whole horizon of hope and possibility. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm very thankful that I was able mm -hmm. to kind of identify some of those things that were not fulfilling to mm -hmm. me and ask myself those questions much like you have been doing mm -hmm. uh to get to what was better and what was next and mm -hmm. what is now yeah oh that's amazing for anybody that might be listening that is finding themselves relating to being in kind of that dark space is there anything that comes to mind that you could give now being you know somewhat on the other side 
of advice or something that you would have said to yourself in that time. You did mention maybe get out of it sooner if there's changes you can make, but uh -huh. is there anything else that would be kind of tangible for someone that is connecting with maybe being in kind of that dark place in their life? Absolutely. I appreciate you asking that because it's not just change your career and move back home. Right. That's mm -hmm. not going to fix it for everyone. Mm -hmm. Some people might even have tried that mm -hmm. and it didn't work in these uh, difficulties with mood and with mental health persist. I think that the there are a few huge components. First, be graceful with yourself. Mm -hmm. You do not need to be sad for something that you can't identify and mad at yourself about it. Mm -hmm. That is one of the darkest feelings to be frustrated with depression and feel like you can't reach out to someone. Mm -hmm. Someone in your life cares enough about you mm -hmm that you will not be a burden to them. Mm -hmm. Reach out to someone mm -hmm. because they won't feel like you're putting something on them mm -hmm. that they're not capable of dealing with. Mm -hmm. They'll understand that they are part of your way out of something that you cannot find your way out of alone. Mm -hmm. So give yourself grace, mm -hmm. feel your feelings, try to work through them. Please contact someone mm -hmm. who can help. Yeah, I think there's such strength in numbers and sometimes that kind of life raft that, the, that someone throws you is the thing that makes all the difference. And I think it can kind of go two ways. One might be having somebody say like, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only one. I feel that way too. And yeah. having that strength in numbers. And then on the other side of it, it could be somebody helping you kind of have that mere moment of having to nap midday to get through the rest of the day isn't actually something everyone experiences and allow you the ability to say I might need help beyond what I'm currently doing and so both of them serve but I think that just having somebody else be able to step into that circle with you and and be a source of hope and also support through it and again we're all like one step away from each other I think that there's so many things that are divisive in our world right now and yet if everyone took a second to just like sit at a table and chat we would find out especially if you're willing to ask some of the hard questions that we're all so much more alike than we are different and so being able to invite somebody into that as scary or vulnerable as it may be often feels like this exhale of a breath you didn't know you were holding in. Yeah. So I really appreciate that. Um, well, I'd love now to kind of, um, I guess, lighten the mood a little <laughs> bit uh, and talk about something that excites you about the future of the business or industry as a whole or things that you kind of have maybe coming up in 2024 or beyond that are just exciting to you. Um, Something that I love about real estate is that it is a ever-changing situation all the time. Every quarter looks different, different than the one before in some sort of way. Maybe the market's slower or faster, you know, different homes coming up and stuff like that. Um, the need to, as a realtor, to be a successful one or at least one who's surviving, um, you have to be understanding of market trends and data and figures and uh, that's something that just keeps all of us on our toes all mm -hmm. the time. Um, how I see that is opportunity, mm -hmm. opportunity, right? There's, there's always some sort of new opportunity out there. It doesn't have to be financially related, but um, when you are open to the idea of like change and growth and uh, understanding that you don't know everything all the time, mm -hmm. then I think a new chapter kind of will always stem and begin from mm -hmm. something that. Yeah, I think it's such a superpower to be able to be excited about the unknown and excited about what's around the corner and also lend that eternal optimism as you spoke on in knowing that what we think about the future, they're both 
thoughts that are kind of delusions. So we can think it's going to be really great or we can think it's going to be really terrible. They're both delusional. Like they both aren't, you know. <laughs> so I have really been on this train lately of just like feeding the delusions that are more positive. And anytime I walk into a situation being like, this is going to be freaking great, you know. And I think that's some people might raise their brow at that but like what a way to navigate the world versus like every single thing i encounter is going to be harmful to me and suck and people are out to get me and this is terrible i think that there's always a way to find silver lining and not to say it's not important to also feel our feelings when they aren't the most you know rainbows and butterflies feelings that we're having that's just as important um but especially when encountering unknowns to to kind of lean towards the sun and the light and say this is going to bring me so much growth and lessons and it might not look exactly how I expected it to look, but it will be great is like the delusion I would like to feed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I appreciate you for sharing that. And I'm excited too, to see kind of where you take this next year and, and just kind of chapter in your journey. Um, Jesse, what about you? So I have a lot to look forward to, mm -hmm. right? The second half of my first year as a yep. real estate agent, yep. my dream career, mm -hmm very interested in meeting new clients and helping make more mid-century dreams come true, help mm -hmm. more starter home dreams come mm -hmm. true. I'd really like to find a way to help people that are like me mm -hmm. who didn't have a strong real estate ownership role model mm -hmm. growing up. Like we rented mm -hmm. a lot. We owned one mm -hmm. home and then didn't own it anymore. Mm -hmm. I'd really like to help people find a way to become homeowners mm -hmm. because I do think it's so important. But I'm also really excited about the future of Boise. Mm -hmm. And we understand as a city, like you, you even see like the communications in the campaigns for uh, the mayoral candidates, for instance, Boise needs more homes. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to get them. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to look a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a apartment complexes mm -hmm. that could service home to people who maybe never even imagined that they would have a mm -hmm. single place to call their own. Mm -hmm. And I also think that it's going to mean more freestanding single family homes. And I'm so excited to see how our policies, our community mm -hmm. develops in a way that helps more people mm -hmm. find a place that they can call their own mm -hmm. and just their, you know, their own little niche in the world yeah. that they can fill with what makes them happy. Mm -hmm. and, and with that, you spoke about how your 30s were a lot of self-discovery, have been a lot of self-discovery and kind of figuring out um, your relationship with yourself and in turn, having this huge importance show up in your life on home. So mm. what is home to you or what does that kind of become? Yeah, so it, it really used to be in my 20s, like I only wanted to live downtown because the second I woke up, like showering wasn't important. What, import, what was important was me like getting out the door, mm -hmm. like whether it was, going out to a bar right. or to grocery outlet or yeah. to literally nowhere sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't even know why I left the house. It was so important for me to not be at home. Mm -hmm. And then through my time in California, as I, you know, got a little bit older and my relationship with my coworkers started to change because, because of my particular role, my relationship with home became so much more important. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with home was all of a sudden this place that I didn't have to leave immediately, mm -hmm. that I could be happy to like stay and mm -hmm. cook my own dinner or maybe invite someone over or do very close to nothing mm -hmm. and find fulfillment mm -hmm. from it. Because this idea of American productivity always has us mm -hmm. go, go, going. 
but it's so important for us. We were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. like machines, computers, devices, mm -hmm. everything needs to reset. Mm -hmm. Sleep isn't the only reset that's important for a human. Mm -hmm. I think home is an important mm -hmm. reset too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and knowing that also sleep isn't the only reason we should be home. There should be yeah. able to be this place that at the end of a long day or the end of a happy day or a sad day or whatever we've encountered, you can walk in that door and it's just like the weight of the world kind of falls off your shoulders. Yeah. And there is an importance in maybe initially making the whole world feel like home. As you said, you know, go out there and find all these connections and do all these things and then really start to hone that in where at the end of it all, it's like I always joke. I love to travel the world. And then I also love nothing more than touching down in our little single terminal airport yes. we have in Boise, I know. And there is something about that that is just as beautiful and fulfilling and amazing as touching down somewhere in another country for me. And I think that being able to allow that kind of dichotomy to exist mm -hmm. is something that has taken me time. It used to be like, how can I get away, get away, get away, explore? And I didn't realize how important it was to have these roots to come back to. Yep. And so I think that's really incredible. And, and again, a testament to what you've chosen to do with your career, because you get to kind of experience that with people over and over, which is, is really cool. Um, Vance, what about you for home? Like, what does that Gosh, mean for you? That was like some, some deep thought. <laughs> um, I think solace comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Like I just love going home and, and kind of, as you were saying, like do nothing. Mm -hmm. First thing I do every time I get home is skip everything say hi to the dogs but i change into sweatpants and i'm like oh i just yeah take the mask off like, yeah, yeah. yeah breathe a little yeah. bit like rest a little mm -hmm. bit and kind of regain mm -hmm. my composure i'm definitely an introverted person mm -hmm. and going out into the world like as you did in your 20s is like the opposite <laughs> of um your what experience. i yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, i really enjoy being at home and um mm -hmm. just my happy place that i've mm -hmm. like curated and, yeah um love aesthetically and mm -hmm. get to live in mm -hmm. is like such a cool experience. Mm -hmm. It's like this, this palace of positive decisions, right? Yeah. Like you've built this, like your singular empire mm -hmm. of everything that is you, mm -hmm. that represents mm -hmm. you, that fulfills you, you know, and, and I know that that that's not what home means to everyone, mm -hmm. but my relationship with home has turned into something, uh, that is, it's just a little bit more based in decisions and positivity. Yeah. And, to and you're like enveloped in that, embodiment of you and you're also given the grace of being able to change your mind so that's amazing yeah. too i feel like it's such a extension my home is an extension of me and there's times that like one wall was black and now it's white and then it yeah. might be black again or my door might be pink or my you know it gives you this opportunity to kind of be curious and playful about your extension of yourself in some type of a creative way and not being incredibly artistic in other ways, I'm able to really exercise this creativity. And sometimes that just looks like moving a knickknack from one shelf to the yeah. other and being like, that feels better. That's yeah. feng shui, you know, whatever. So I think it's a really cool way to just be playful about your own creativity mm -hmm. in a way and like artistic nature. Yeah. So. Yeah, and allowing yourself to change and morph over time, I mm -hmm. think it's also important to be attached to like, mm -hmm. I have to have the couches in this orientation mm -hmm. because it does X, Y, or Z, mm -hmm. like change it up, like yeah. feel some other stuff, maybe get rid of the couches mm -hmm. and do like a couch and a chair, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, well, before we close off, I always like to allow my guests to leave the listeners with a little snippet, a mantra, a piece of advice, something that maybe has resonated with you lately, um, just to, to close out our conversation, so. Would you go first? Sure. So the quote that I have to share has actually been attributed to many people, mm -hmm. one of whom is Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. um, so 
a lot of people have heard this quote before, but you, you speak about like resonating. It truly resonates with me. The idea that begin quote, people may forget what you say, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Yes. And that, um, I just think that if everyone functioned and went through life with that as the lens, mm -hmm. this world would be an even better place. Mm -hmm. And I think even without everyone ascribing to that mm -hmm. ideology, even if one person does it, if it's just you, your life will be better. Yeah, I mean, louder for the people in the back. I feel like yeah. that is <laughs> such an important sentiment and something that I feel like it comes with the evolution of being able to kind of set our egos aside because so often, especially in a heated situation, it feels so good in the moment to like clap back or get the last word in or say the thing that might kind of just allow you to feel a little more in control. But if in those moments we could pause and ask even just like, how would it feel for me to be on the receiving end of this? And sometimes the answer is we just keep our mouth shut. We don't react. Mm -hmm. We don't respond. Other times we can use our words or our actions or ourselves so powerfully in a positive way and impact somebody with a smile, with a hello, holding the door, doing something that is a really yep. small thing that can make a big, big difference. So I feel like that's something that is a, a reminder that can stay top of mind in every situation we encounter. And if more people paused and just asked, like, how would this feel if I was on the receiving end, it would change truly the world and that's I, a bold I statement so but it too. would it I really think, would yeah mm -hmm. i agree definitely mm -hmm. that was right. well said um <laughs> mine is i cannot get this out of my head and uh it is absolutely the antithesis of any maya angelou related thing <laughs> but last night um i was uh just on instagram mm -hmm. scrolling through and just kind of like vegging out but there's this rapper who is um who is, uh, I guess, in some sort of trouble right now. He's in court. And uh, this is not about the case or anything mm -hmm. like that. But um, his name is Young Thug. And he has this lawyer who, like, I find this hysterical. They're trying to portray this man, Young Thug, a rapper, as, like, a very good stand-up. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah, perfect citizen. Okay. And the lawyer is saying that Thug <laughs> stands for truly humbled under God. That's... That's what he's saying. The rapper's name embodies, and uh, he has a song called "Push and P," which the, the lawyer says stands for "Push and Positivity." Oh, wow! Okay, so, Good. But yeah. It's, and I never this has guessed. nothing to. I, I I don't care about the case. I'm not like right. advocating right. for any side. But what I love is this lawyer having the audacity <laughs> to say something like that and like just fully send it. Yeah. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's mm -hmm. if I could live my own life that way yeah. and just like unapologetic mm -hmm. and blind faith oh my gosh yeah. Yeah. i'm not saying just, it's smart i'm not uh -huh. saying like any of the case is good but mm -hmm. i just found that so hilarious mm -hmm. and like if we could all like have a bit of maya angelou and young thug's lawyer here we us. go maya thug <laughs> yeah <laughs> like how how yeah. different and great are everyone's collective lives would be together i yeah. love that so much I that is too. such a Isn't good that poll. The funniest thing ever yeah it's like yeah we got I, something for everyone on this episode you yeah know. seriously yeah <laughs> i know i was i mean this whole time i was trying to it just kept coming back in because yeah. i was like i gotta mm -hmm. find a better more inspirational mm -hmm. quote but i just couldn't no that's exactly that's what exactly what we all needed to yeah, hear it was awesome and i think with that it's so cool because again you could talk about something polarizing that people we could all sit here and argue our stance on this case and go head to head 
Or you can just realize that that's not worth the energy or the exhaustion and instead just be like this freaking lawyer though. And the, yeah. you know, the, the kind of guts again, that it takes to just stand up there and try to view something with such a different lens than the entire world might be looking at it with. And mm -hmm. while maybe that specifically isn't somebody's, you know, forte to lean into that exactly, everyone's experienced a moment in their life where they themselves or somebody else moved the lens the slightest bit and the whole world changed. And so I think it is important just to be open to that and know that there is like room for everyone as long as there's respect um, of the other person's views. But our views would never change if we didn't interact with people that saw something wildly different than we yeah. did. So, all right. Well, Young Thug, my Angelo. Yeah. <laughs> Closing out. It's Man, perfect. What a, what a world. What, what a world, a world yeah. truly. Audacious optimism. I love yeah. that. I love it's that. Like the end yeah. Of yes, yeah. exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Traumatic listeners. I will tag in the show notes how you can find Vance, Jesse, and Mid Century Homes. And we thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day.